Thank you for joining us for the Advancing Oceanside podcast, brought to you by the Oceanside Chamber of Commerce. The Advancing Oceanside podcast hosts business and community leaders from all industries to help inform, better educate, and ultimately advocate for a prosperous economic climate here in Oceanside. Today, we're joined by Beverly Boone, founding executive director for Milestone House. Milestone House is a short-term residential therapeutic program for girls and transgender youth ages 13 to 19 who are survivors of child abuse and are part of the child welfare system. These teens have serious emotional, psychological, and behavioral issues, but are treated in a compassionate, caring environment with highly trained professionals who focus on meeting the needs of every specific child. Learn more about Beverly's amazing work and how supporting Milestone House helps to bring positive and fundamental change to the lives of children who are among the most vulnerable within our community. Hello and welcome to the Advancing Oceanside podcast. I'm Scott Ashton. I'm your host for today. And today I'm I'm very pleased to welcome Beverly Boone as our guest. Uh, Beverly is the founding executive director of Milestone House. So welcome to our show, Beverly. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm very well today. How are you? Great. I'm so glad you can join us. I, I had a chance to look at your organization's website, and I know there's a lot you do for our community. So um, let's just jump right into it. So I, I saw in your bio that you grew up on the East Coast and that you were the first person in your family to obtain a, a college degree. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got where you are today. Um, I, I grew up in kind of a blue collar town and my parents were factory workers, um, but I always did really well in school and I always knew I wanted to go to college, even though uh, no one in my family had done so. Uh, I think my dad would have wanted to go, but um, that opportunity was not really there for him. Um, so I kind of lived his dream for him. And I remember the day I graduated from college, I was blessed to have my great grandmother there. And she said, it was wow. the proudest day of her life. That, that's fantastic. Um, so where, where did you go to school? I went to school to what was called Alvernia College in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. And now it's called Alvernia University. Um, and it was uh, a small Catholic school and it was just the right place for me to be. It was very supportive and um, small classes and a lot of attention from the professors, many of whom were nuns or priests. And um, even though I'm not Catholic, I found that to be a very nurturing and supportive environment for me at the time. Great. So. Um, tell us a little bit about Milestone House and you know how you serve the community and how, how you got started. I, I know your title is founding executive director, so you you've been there from the beginning. Yeah, it it kind of, I I I kind of uh, wish I had a better story for how it got started, but it kind of just found me. I didn't find it. I had moved out to California and. Um, a couple of years after I moved out here, a friend of mine said, hey, my friend has this house where he had a, a home for children and they lost their license, which is not easy to do. Um, and he's looking for somebody to put uh, a similar business in there. And I know you work with kids, so um, I wonder if you would do it. And I, I said, well, I don't even know what that is. 
So I had to go uh, and research it, which in those days meant going to the library because there was internet. Uh, but fortunately, I, with my master's in English, I was familiar with researching. So um, I eventually found my link, which was work I was already doing with learning disabled uh, young people and adults, that there's a high incidence of learning disabilities in the child welfare system. Um, so that was my link and I said yes. And then all the work started, um, getting a nonprofit, uh, getting the house fixed up and hiring people who knew things I didn't know at the time, which okay. was a lot. <laughs> so what, what year was the organization founded? It was founded in 1992. All right. So tell us a little bit about what Milestone House is, what you do, how you serve the community. Well, we're a short-term residential therapeutic program for girls and transgender age 13 to 19. And these are kids who are survivors of child abuse, who are part of the child welfare system, and who have some of the most serious emotional, psychological, and behavioral issues. And we put them into a residential intensive treatment program with a highly trained staff with the goal of in about six months being able to have them go back to a family-like setting with their own family or in a foster home setting. Okay. Do you partner with any specific um, foster organizations? Um, we get our referrals from County Department of Social Services and Probation. Um, we work primarily with um, San Diego County, but we also work with Riverside County, San Francisco. We get referrals from all over the state right now. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask if your placements come from outside of the, the county. It sounds like they do. Is, is the largest percent, percentage coming from within San Diego County? Yeah, we uh, prioritize San Diego, but we also prioritize the needs of our current client base. So we're looking for someone who's going to be a good fit with the rest of the kids. Okay, great. Um, so I know we've all had people that have influenced us in our career. So maybe can you tell us a little bit about your mentors and who's had the greatest influence on, on you and on your career? I, well, I already mentioned her. My great grandmother was a big influence on me. Um, she was a pretty uh, spectacular woman who, um, who uh, worked in her own business. Um, baking um, and and made a lot of handmade crafts that she sold and and she just was very encouraging to me and um, was it was a good role model of a, of a strong woman um, at a time when women didn't have quite the opportunities that they they do now so uh, it was it was really important for me to see how she, moved in the world. It's amazing to hear. Um, I love hearing when when your mentors come from with your from within your own family. You know that that's amazing. So our our San Diego district attorney uh, Summer Steppen um, in the last few months has sent a couple letters to the governor expressing um, really heavy concern over the the school closures. Um, 
And she noted specifically that the closures have resulted in mandated reporters not being able to see and report child abuse. So what are your thoughts on the idea of these uh, school closures being detrimental to our kids? Well, we know that um, during times of stress on families, child abuse cases are going to rise. Um, so when we have a situation like the pandemic where there's job loss, financial stress, um, being, um, being quarantined in the home and all together when that's not the usual thing, um, all of those stressors on the family can result in, in child abuse. So we know child abuse has gone up during the pandemic. But unfortunately, as uh, the district attorney points out, um, children are not being seen by teachers who are the ones who are most likely to recognize child abuse and, and put in a report. That's, uh, and secondly would be doctors and kids aren't being seen by doctors quite as much because there's kind of people are afraid to go to doctor's offices. So you have the rise in child abuse and the fact that children aren't being seen by mandated reporters. Um, and you've got quite a critical situation um, that's happening right now all over. Um, and uh, distance learning does not work for most kids, um, particularly kids who have special needs kids who are in abusive situations, kids who have learning disabilities, kids who have um, mental health issues. Um, so kids need to be back in school, absolutely, in order to be seen so child abuse can be reported and in order to um, get a more effective style of learning that will not result in them falling behind as they are now. I know the kids at Milestone really, really struggle with distance learning. If you take a kid that has ADHD and you say, okay, you have to sit in front of a computer screen for four hours and, and listen to a teacher, it's tough. It is not an easy thing for that child to do. And they can't pay attention. They're falling behind. And it, it's really harming our kids that they're not in school. Yeah, and everything you just said really validates, you know, what the district attorney put in, in her communications to the governor and, and, and what we hear by, you know, a lot of other groups that are just saying we've got to get these kids back in school, they need to be playing sports, interacting with each other and, and just out of the out of the home. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. So I know our organization and, and most other you know, nonprofits and businesses have been impacted in one way or another by COVID. How, how has it impacted your operations and the way, the way that you're doing things on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, we of course are taking all the, the safety precautions um, and um, sanitizing, wearing, wearing PPEs. Um, we, um, our licensing organization has mandated a no visitors policy, which is, which is kind of tough because we, we often had people from the community come and share their time and talents with the kids and we can't do that right for almost a year now. Um, and I think 
um, you know, wearing a mask is good um, because it, it doesn't, um, it, it helps not to share the virus with others. Um, but when you're in a counseling situation, you've got your, your half of your face is blocked. So it, I, I worry about it. I tell the kids, oh, I'm smiling under here. <laughs> I, you know, it just kind of is an impediment to um, a, a look of empathy, a look of, of happiness. You know, you, could, you just have to rely on the eyes. Um, so, so that's, that's been kind of challenging. The kids aren't required to wear masks because we're more likely to spread it to them than they are to us. So we wear the, the masks to protect them and to protect our, our other staff on duty. Um, one of the tougher things for me is as an administrative staff, I, I work from home uh, two or three days a week for almost a year now. Um, just to um, cut down on the, the congestion in the office so there aren't like four or five staff so we can social distance. Um, and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Um, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to go back. Um, fortunately, we were able to, uh, I was able to and, and many of my staff were able to get fully vaccinated. Um, as on tier 1A as behavioral health care workers. So um, I'm happy about that. Um, and uh, can't wait to the day till that this is all over. We're getting there, I think, eventually. Yeah. Um, so how about with, um, with fundraising? Because I know a lot, of, um, a lot of nonprofit organizations depend on events for fundraising. Has that impacted you? Yeah, um, we're, we're all scrambling to find alternative means of, of doing fundraising. Um, we didn't have anything planned uh, for a, a couple of years. We'll do our 30th anniversary uh, coming up in a couple of years and hopefully we'll be able to do a live fundraiser for that. But we've been relying on social media. We did a, uh, uh, an email campaign. so. We did a fundraiser to raise money for uh, Christmas gifts for the kids, and we had we had a pretty good deal of success with that. So um, we have kind of a stable funding base, so we're not reliant on fundraising to pay our bills. We we um, we fundraise it to um, get the. Uh, out of the ordinary things like Christmas gifts. Um, we need a van, we need a new van. Our van's starting to go. So we'll be doing some kind of a, a virtual fundraiser for that. Um, but uh, it's, it's been a challenge. I, I feel for the, um, the organizations that are completely reliant on fundraising because it's tough times. I'm sure it's helped that you have a uh, almost a 30-year track record in, in serving our community and that you've built up a, a loyal following. So, um, you know, I, I know a lot of other organizations don't have that and aren't able to weather the storm in such such a way. Yeah. Anymore. So, you know, with the, with the kids that you're serving, um, what does success look like to you? What's a success story? 
Well, um, success for, for some of our kids um, because of the uh, amount of damage that has been done to them by the abuse. Success is just holding a job, having a roof over their heads, um, being successful parents of their own children, um, having successful relationships. Um, child abuse um, can create lifelong issues for uh, many of the survivors of child abuse. So um, sometimes the bar is, you know, we have to look at the bar being pretty low. But then again, I have um, a couple of, of former clients who have gone on to get their master's degree. Um, at least two of them have decided that they wanted to become social workers and come back and, and help other kids who had the same or similar experiences that they did. So um, we're, we're proud of them and we're proud of the ones who are just out there being good moms to their kids and breaking the cycle of abuse. So it sounds like there's a lot of different definitions of su success. And is it, is it fair to say that every success story is, is totally different and unique to itself? Yeah, it really is. Um, it, it depends on um, how, how much work the, the, the individual needs to do to continue to heal. And that can be, that can take a lifetime. Um, but if they can manage it to the point where they can meet certain successful milestones, no pun intended, <laughs> in their lives, like, like I mentioned, keeping a roof over their head, holding down a job, having successful relationships, being good parents, then that, that's success. Great. Awesome. So for, for our listeners that want to get in touch with you, want to learn more about the Milestone House and, and how they might be able to um, support your work, uh, where should they look? They can visit our website, milestonehouse.org. And they can also email me, Beverly, B-E-V-E-R-L-Y, at milestonehouse.org. And I'd be happy to talk to anyone who is, is, is interested in learning more and, and or helping in some way. Great. Well, Beverly, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. We really appreciate you taking the time to be on our show and just share about the, the great work that you are doing in Oceanside. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Advancing Oceanside podcast brought to you by the Oceanside Chamber of Commerce. Continue with us on our journey to help inform, better educate, and ultimately advocate for Oceanside. You can view all of our other podcasts on any podcast listening locations, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or visit our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe to catch all the latest updates on all things Oceanside. Join us next week as we host another influential leader from our community.